Let's talk. Uh, this is the second of four messages on the topic of prayer. As I said last week, it is my hope that together we might turn up the intensity and or clarify our focus regarding this vital element of our spiritual lives. Unfortunately for many sincere Christ followers, this topic can be a source of confusion, a source of intimidation, a source of guilt or shame. It's my hope that we will be able to cut through some of that by talking about it and in doing so empower many of us to move forward to new levels in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Last week, um, I talked about five barriers. And just to quickly recap without rehashing the whole message, because it's online if you want to hear it, but I emphasize that there is always spiritual opposition to prayer because spiritual or because prayer is first and foremost a spiritual endeavor. Uh, I emphasize that God, if God is our only hope, then prayer becomes a necessity, not an option. I reminded us that God loves us deeply and longs for a consistent connection with us on a personal level. And prayer is one of the most powerful ways to pursue that. We looked at the fact that prayer really matters. I shared some stories about powerful moves of God throughout history that could be tied to folks being faithful in prayer. And I asked us to wrestle with, why not me? Why not me? And then I reminded us that prayer is not bound by our agenda or expectations for immediate gratification. Today my focus will be on addressing what I'm referring to as five subtle misconceptions about prayer. Things we may hear, say, or read that seem correct, but can, without understanding or out realizing it, lead us just a little bit off the mark. And I just want to put it out here. Uh, I want to emphasize right up front that hopefully you will see this theme throughout the entire message. But each of these subtle misconceptions is rooted in the same issue that confronted Eve in the garden, as well as those who constructed the Tower of Babel we read about in Genesis chapter 11. It is an issue that is particularly challenging for those of us in the Western world to overcome. I'm speaking about our tendency, or our desire even, to be in control rather than surrendering to God's control. Prayer must never be about attempting to manipulate God or get him to conform to our will. But rather, it must be about getting us to draw ever closer to him and to conform our lives to his will. I understand, and I prayed about this down the hall this morning, I understand some of what I say today may just kind of get stick in your craw a bit or rub you a bit the wrong way. My invitation for you is, and my, my intent is clear, I just want you to stop and think. I want you to pause a little bit and say, okay, 
maybe I do need to think about that a bit more rather than just say, well, that's not what I've ever heard or what I've thought. So jumping right in, now that I've tempted you with that thought, the first subtle uh, misinterpretation or misconception, I should say, about prayer is that prayer ensures successful ministry or a successful church. And the thinking goes somewhat like this, and I've probably said this myself. If we will just pray more, then our ministry will flourish, our church will grow, our outreach will prosper. If we will just pray more. Or perhaps our ministry is struggling. Perhaps it's because we don't pray often enough. We don't pray long enough. We don't pray with enough intensity. We don't pray the right way. The challenge with that misconception is it is, in my opinion, a bit of a paradox. Rarely does a ministry prosper without prayer. But prayer alone does not guarantee effectiveness or the results that we desire. Let me repeat that. Rarely is a ministry prosper without prayer, but prayer alone does not guarantee effectiveness or the results that we desire. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, if you've read your Bible much, you know that there are countless examples of when people of deep faith prayed fervently and they prayed frequently, yet they did not see the results they desired. The same is true in the New Testament. One example are the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Zealots. They were the folks that they were there whenever the temple doors were open. They were the ones who were the sticklers for the details of their faith. Now, obviously, Jesus and and those groups had some conflict, but they took their faith seriously. And at a crucial time in the history of their nation, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Zealots, prayed long, and they prayed hard. They prayed their hearts out. Yet the Romans still destroyed their beloved Jerusalem. The intensity, the passion, the frequency of their prayers did not keep that from happening. Their ministry actually took a hit, let alone not flourish. If we expect our ministry or our lives for that matter, to flourish simply because we pray more, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. However, if our ministry efforts are not flourishing, there's a pretty good chance that we may need to be looking at our prayer life and seeing what we can do to see change there. That's the first misconception. The second misconception is the more I pray, the more God answers. This kind of falls into the 
more prayer, more power approach. And again, please understand, this misconception is subtle because there is an element of truth. However, history and probably our own experiences are filled with examples of godly men and women who prayed more and more and more for extended periods with no apparent results. Jesus spoke to this after he had done some teaching on the subject of prayer. He said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So again, this is just kind of saying, you know what, it gets to the heart of prayer. If I'm doing it to be noticed and to get attention, and you know, I'm kind of missing the point. Verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So again, it's, it's not about you. It's not about putting on a show or impressing others. It's about you and your relationship with God and connecting in him, with Him in a personal way. Then he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. It's not about how much I say or how often I say it. The misconception is the more I pray, the more God answers. But what we have to grasp is God hears and responds to our prayers because we are on his agenda, not because of our efforts, not because of our frequency, not because... Of our intensity. I put it this way. The focus of our prayers must not be to get God to do what we think he should do. But rather for us to discover and do what God thinks we ought to do. Sometimes by praying more and more. We're actually trying to convince God to do what we think he should do. Instead of saying God what do you think I should do. If you take a moment and look at many of the prayers recorded in Scripture, you begin to see that often the prayer is actually speaking out of a personal understanding of what God was already up to in their situation. Now, there are times where they're just pouring their heart out. I think about David in the Psalms. He says, Lord, this just doesn't make sense. But oftentimes the prayer is praying for, for what they know God already wants to do. It becomes more a matter of agreeing with God than encouraging or persuading God. One of my favorite stories about prayer, and I've preached on it before, and I've probably preached on it from the context of the more I pray, the more God answers. All right? But but it's Elijah. Now, some of you are familiar with the story, but but the nation was in a terrible place, and, and God told Elijah to go to the wicked king and say, you know what? God's going to teach you all a lesson. And it's not going to rain until God says it's time to rain. And so for three years, the nation is in a terrible drought. And I love the story because when it's time for the drought to end, it it talks about how Elijah goes up on a hilltop and he begins to pray. And after he prays for a little while, he says to his servant, go peek if it's raining yet. 
All right. How many of us do that? You know, we pray, oh, Lord, please do this. It's like, has it happened yet? So, so he prays a bit and he says, go, go see if it's raining. Nope, nope, not raining. He prays some more and go see if it's raining. Is it raining yet? Nope, not raining yet. And, and they keep going through this and finally they, they come back and say, well, you know what? Way off in the distance, I think I see a cloud about the size of my thumbnail. Elijah drops the mic and says, we're good. It's going to rain. Now, I read that, and I think, oh, he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and God sent the rain. Isn't that what I, that's probably what I've taught you before on that. Chapter 18, verse 1. Hours and hours and hours before Elijah starts to pray, God says this. After a long time in the third year, the word of God came to Elijah and said, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain to the land. The rain didn't come because Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed because God told him it was time for the rain to come. If we're praying in the wrong direction for the wrong thing, at the wrong time. It's probably not going to matter if we keep praying more and more and more. Now, God can do whatever he wants to do, and that's part of my emphasis today. He is sovereign. We're not. Which brings me to the third one, and your head's going to explode now. God answers prayer. All right, Pastor Steve, how is that a misconception? I hope by now you're picking up a little bit on where I'm going with this whole subtlety theme. It is certainly reasonable to say that God answers prayer. But sometimes that focus can cause us to lose sight of the fact that oftentimes it's more a matter of God answering the prayer, not the prayer. It's important for us to understand God does not separate the request from the heart condition of the one making the request. It is important for us to understand that God does not separate our request from his sovereign plan. It is important for us to wrestle, and as I said this last week, God does not keep promises that he didn't make, even if we pray. Friends, we, when we say God answers prayer, I agree. But it's very subtly can become our attempt to be in control versus our willingness to surrender and submit to his authority and sovereignty. Who we are in Christ and what we are asking are in direct correlation with each other.
James says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The confession piece reminds us that we have to always be reassessing where we stand before a righteous God. Now, I've seen people take this verse and go somewhere that I don't think it's intended to go. And that's the suggestion that if you're praying for healing and you're not getting it, there must be sin in your life. I don't think that's an accurate extrapolation. And we need to grasp that and understand that. But I think it is imperative that we understand prayer is about relationship. And our sinful choices, our choosing to walk outside the parameters of what God wants and desires for us, will always hinder our ability to communicate freely and openly in relationship with Him. God does answer prayer, but never outside of His will and His sovereignty. And sometimes we lose sight of that. We want Him to answer the prayers we want answered, whether they are within His will or not. Strange to me to number four. Prayer changes things. And again, you're thinking, dude, you've, you've said that. You've stood right where you stand and talked about that. But if prayer changes things, then, I mean, if prayer alone changes things, then doesn't it stand to reason that all of the world religions would be accomplishing great things because most all of them pray. I referenced earlier that story in 1 Kings chapter 18 and I skipped be I skipped the the juicy part if you will. It's not raining because God told Elijah to go tell King Ahab it's not going to rain. I jumped ahead to the part where God says it's time and the rain comes. In between there is the story where Elijah issues a challenge because the people were following after false gods. And he says, let's put this issue to bed once and for all. Let's see if your God, Baal, is powerful or if Jehovah, our God, is truly the one with power. And so what they do is they bring together 450 prophets of this false god. And Elijah says, we got two bulls here. You take your bull, you prepare it for sacrifice, you put it on the altar, but don't set it on fire. You pray for Baal, your god, you pray to your god, Baal, to light it on fire. And they prayed. Look at, look at what scripture says. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls, prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. They called on the name of Baal. 
from morning till noon. They had revival prayer meeting from morning till noon. Hallelujah, Baal, answer us. They shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. They thought, well, maybe we're not doing it right, so let's dance a little bit while we pray. So they danced around the altar they'd made. 450 men dancing and crying out to their God. At noon, Elijah decides, I'm going to have a little fun with this. All right? And he begins to taunt them. He said, shout louder. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Pray harder. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Friends, if prayer changed things, prayer alone changed things, wouldn't something have happened in response to that? Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. They prayed all day long. And their prayers changed nothing. Friends, remember, is prayer important? Yes, I said last week prayer matters. Prayer doesn't change things. God changes things. Okay. God changes things. And at all times, he remains sovereign. He determines what happens. Not our prayers. The purpose of prayer is to draw us ever closer to him. The closer we get, the more we become willing to yield to his sovereignty and the more we're able to see what he is doing and how we can partner with him. Does prayer matter? Yes, it matters. But we must always understand, I'm not in control. I don't control God by my prayers. God changes things, not my prayers. Not our person. Do they matter? Yes, they matter. I heard a speaker recently, and and he put it this way. What we pray for, we look for. And what we look for, we find. But ultimately, it's God who does the changing. Then the last one, if your heads haven't exploded yet, they can explode now. There's power in prayer. How many times have we said that? How many books are there? And I'm not disputing any of those. I'm just asking you to think. As I said last week and as I've said repeatedly this morning, I truly believe that prayer matters. I will readily concede. I don't understand how it works, but it matters. However, we must never lose sight of the fact that the only power in our prayers is God's power. Even though I will have used the phrase in the past and I will undoubtedly use the phrase again, 
there really is no such thing as a powerful prayer, a person who is powerful in prayer. There is only a powerful and sovereign God. And in our subtle quest for us to be in control, we sometimes get that mixed up. Now, please, no need to run up to me afterwards. I'm fully aware of the fact that there's a story that Jesus told about a persistent widow who got a wicked king's attention or judge's attention because she did not give up. However, if we make the subtle shift to thinking that there is power in our prayers, then we will be tempted to substitute the activity of prayer for a real personal connection with and submission to God. As we embrace inappropriately the thought that there is power in prayer, we can begin to subtly think we can be like God. And remember, that's what they got those folks in Genesis 11 in a whole lot of trouble. Prayer should be about seeking the blesser, not the blessing. Prayer should be about seeking the face of God in a personal relationship, not just seeking the hand of God in changing our circumstances. I think about the easy, you know, this is picking the low-hanging fruit. I think about Jesus when he was praying in the garden. Luke chapter 22, Jesus said, as he's pouring out his heart to God because he knows the crucifixion is coming. He says, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, if there's some way I don't have to go through this, oh, please, I'm all in. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. The goal is not merely praying to accomplish ministry. The goal is not praying to get what we want. The goal is not praying to change a situation or circumstances. The goal is allowing the practice and the activity of prayer to create increased opportunities for a life-changing encounter with a sovereign, powerful God. As I, as I worked on the message, it, it had been done for a couple of days, and I, I was wrestling with how to close it. To, to recap, and I've talked to you before, and I know you guys love my masculine pink uh, copy. Uh, I stole it from Diana. I'm, I'm not ashamed. Um, many of you are familiar with the devotional Jesus Calling, and, and it just, I put it away, and I go back to it, and I put it away, and I go back to it, and, and it continues to speak to me on countless occasions. And on Friday, oops, I'm not going to give you the whole thing. You're going to have to listen to me read it. Uh, but on March 8th, and this is Friday, um, I'm doing it first thing in the morning as I typically do. But I just have not yet figured out how to close my message. And I read this. Save your best striving for seeking my face. 
I am constantly communicating with you. All right, just take a breath here. He's constantly communicating with us. And I have to ask myself, am I hearing? Am I receiving the communication? Save your best striving for seeking my face. I am constantly communicating with you. To find me and hear my voice, you must seek me above all else. Anything you desire more than me becomes an idol. When you are determined to get your own way, you blot me out of your consciousness. Instead of single-mindedly pursuing some goal, talk to me about it. Let the light of my presence shine on this pursuit so you can see it from my perspective. If the goal fits into my plans for you, I will help you reach it. If it is contrary to my will for you, I will gradually change the desire of your heart. Seek me first and foremost. Then the rest of your life will fall into place piece by piece. Pray with me. Father, perhaps I'm unique, but I suspect I'm not. There is this continual tension to subtly make it about me. Father, when Jesus prayed in the garden, as we just read in Luke 22, he was facing something overwhelming. But the reality is, Father, every day, every one of us faces a choice to say, not my will, but yours be done. In the big things, in the little things. Father, I simply ask that you would just help us to be increasingly aware. And that, Father, you might bring a check in our spirit when we begin to make prayer about trying to impose our will and not about seeking after your will. Father, we do believe that prayer matters. But we also understand that ultimately all the power is yours. And Father, the the harsh reality is even when we think we know best, we're far better off for the long run when you are sovereign and you do not what you think is best not what we think is best when you do what you know is best even when we don't see it at the time so father help us to make prayer about seeking you about drawing closer to you and then seeing how you work your will in our world and thank you jesus amen